Welcome to Out and About, a forum here on WNHH about transgender issues in the news. I'm Melissa Lukes. Thanks for listening. A new transgender interaction policy requires employees in the Wayne County, Michigan Prosecutor's Office to treat transgender, intersex, and gender nonconforming individuals in a manner appropriate to the individual's gender identity, which may be different from the sex the individual was assigned at birth, or listed on official identification documents. Prosecutor Kim Worthy, in association with FAIR Michigan, which is a Michigan nonprofit corporation seeking to end discrimination against persons based on sex, sexual orientation, gender, and gender identity, announced the issuance of the new policy on November 3rd. Regardless of the individual's appearance, prosecutors' office employees should classify an individual's gender identity in accordance with statements or requests made by the individual, such as if the individual asks the employee to use different pronouns. In addition, employees should address transgender individuals by their chosen name, which might differ from the name that is on their government-issued identification. Employees shall not refer to any person in a derogatory manner because of their gender identity or gender expression. Quote, we strive at this office to treat everyone that walks through our doors with dignity and respect. This is a great tool to facilitate this, said Worthy. Continuing her quote, we want to make sure that we do not unknowingly offend anyone that we are trying to help. No one is immune from the guidance that this policy provides. Hopefully this can be adopted widely. The transgender interaction policy marks a significant step forward for the rights of Michigan residents, said civil rights attorney Dana Nessel, president of Fair Michigan and a former Wayne, Wayne County assistant prosecutor. This policy is the first in the state to require prosecutors and staff to recognize a basic human right for transgender individuals. That's recognition of and respect for a core aspect of their identity. Fair Michigan is proud to have assisted the prosecutor's office in developing this essential and transformative policy. Fair Michigan Justice Protect Special Prosecutor Jamie Howell Horwitz worked closely with the prosecutor's office to develop this policy, which promises to enhance productive interaction between prosecutors and crime victims and witnesses who are transgender. Shifting now to the state of Minnesota as we kind of hop around the nation for some transgender news, a Minnesota state judge has issued a ruling that is good news for that state's transgender community. After an 11-year ban, the state's Medicaid system, known as Medical Assistance, MA, must provide coverage for transition-related surgical procedures. A 64-year-old trans man by the name of Evan Thomas sued, with support from the ACLU of Minnesota, and outfront Minnesota for the right to a double mastectomy. His doctors deemed the procedure medically necessary for resolving his gender dysphoria, but Thomas depended on MA, which denied him coverage. In the meantime, Thomas was relying on chest binding to help resolve his dysphoria, but he had to stop using that after it caused him chest infections and acute bronchitis. Ramsey County Judge William Leary concluded that the 2005 state law prohibiting that coverage is unconstitutionally discriminatory. His opinion effectively outlines the medical consensus on transgender care and the benefits of gender reassignment surgery, noting that the state covers double mastectomies for patients with other concerns, but singles out transgender individuals for denial. 
He also outlines the history of state lawmakers' effort to prohibit such coverage. The Minnesota Supreme Court actually ruled way back in 1977 that M.A. must cover surgical treatment for trans people. In 1994, the state legislature tried to pass a law banning medical coverage of surgeries, but that failed. In 1998, it successfully passed a restriction on MA coverage, but it included a grandfather clause that allowed individuals who had already started hormone treatment to still qualify for surgical coverage. Surgical coverage. Well, then in 2005, the Minnesota legislature eliminated the grandfather clause, banning surgical coverage for everyone. This legislative history contributed to Leary's conclusion that there was clear discriminatory intent. None of these restrictions included any legislative statement explaining the purpose or rationale of the statute. He also was not swayed by the possibility that the restrictions were important for saving the state money. Good news from the state of Minnesota. Continuing to our third story in this edition of Out and About News... When someone is undergoing gender transition, support at their workplace is critical. That was the conclusion of a panel which was entitled Out at Work, Transgender Policies, Training, and Resources. And that forum was held at Pacific Gas and Electric's San Francisco office in November. The meeting, the second annual such gathering at PG&E headquarters to promote workplace diversity and inclusion, drew over 60 individuals from 32 local local companies. The role of corporations is key, said Isa Noyola, a transgender woman who is director of programs at the Transgender Law Center in Oakland, California. The connections you can make here tonight have a direct impact in transforming society from love to hate, from ignorance to consensus, and from despair to hope, quote-unquote. PG&E executives said the company is trying to lead the way. Julie Kane, Senior Vice President for Ethics and Compliance and one of the company's executive sponsors of its LGBT employee group entitled Pride Network, said employers at various stages in their understanding and commitment to establishing supportive policies must continue to learn. At PG&E, the company had input from transgender and gender norm nonconforming employees to help it develop sound policies. The company developed a 14-page guideline that is intended to guide supervisors and managers in supporting employees who say they plan to transition or are in the process of transitioning. We still have a lot to learn and a lot to do, Kane said. The panel, including six transgender and gender-neutral individuals, discussed both positive and negative workplaces expe- workplace experiences that they had while transitioning. Claire Farley, a Foley, Farley, I should say, Claire Farley, a transgender woman who was director of economic development at the San Francisco LGBT Community Center, said that the workplace, quote, has not always been that easy for her. For example, she said that in 2000, while transitioning as a college student, a college student in Boulder, Colorado, she was working at a retail food store where she wasn't allowed to use the women's bathroom. Still news at that time to the world of advocacy, Farley knew it wasn't okay. She spoke out, and unfortunately she was fired. When Farley moved to New York City, her problems continued. Quote, I couldn't even find a job as a busser, she said, realizing that people were uncomfortable with my voice, my presentation, my self-expression. 
Ronnie Lee Height, a transgender woman who previously was an executive at Chevron in San Francisco, said the good outweighed the bad when she transitioned at work. While her boss helped her develop a workplace plan, several women in her department wanted her to continue to use the men's restroom. Most people were supportive and welcoming, she added. Marnie Florin came out three years ago as a gender-neutral individual while at Columbia Business School in New York City. Florin, who uses the pronoun Z, that's Z-E, realized peers were a bit confused and many had questions. Florin created a transgender 101 training document. When Florin began work as a global process manager at Google, Z and a colleague developed a training program that had been given to over 2,000 employees worldwide. Florin also has a consulting company that can customize similar programs for other companies. At Google, said Florin, my manager is amazing, and my team is the best I've ever encountered. Often it's a matter of exposure, Florin said. Even in the San Francisco Bay Area, there are are people that believe they have never met someone who identifies as transgender or gender neutral. Prior to working as a staff attorney at the Transgender Law Center, Sasha Butcherts, a transgender woman, worked at Basic Rights Oregon, the state's chief LGBT advocacy organization. Six months into her transition, Butchert said she was uncertain whether she had to take any formal steps, such as a name change, to legally use the women's bathroom. I love the organization, but it would have been helpful if somebody had been able to tell me what the law was and tell me that I could use whichever bathroom matched my gender preference, she said. Despite all this progress, speakers agreed that there were challenges ahead. Farley said that staff at the LGBT Center gets calls from employers inquiring about how they can be more welcoming to transgender or gender queer applicants and workers. Sometimes an employer will be in the midst of developing workplace policies and tell me they'll start hiring non-binary people once the policy is in place, she said. She also said that is not acceptable. Farley also bristled at the concept of preferred pronouns. It's not a preference, she said. If company management is willing to allow employee to change their last name after marriage, why do they think they can say no to a transgender person who wants to use new pronouns, Farley explains. Andy Williams, PG&E's Vice President for Safety, Health, and the Environment, and an executive sponsor of the company's Pride Network, promised to triple the number of attendees at next year's seminar. Education is imperative, he said. If we needed motivation, we have it now in spades. Let's commit to educating everyone we can. Williams also urged the audience to consider donating to the nonprofit organizations that co-sponsored the event, donating to the LGBT Community Transgender Employment Program, the Transgender Law Center, or any other trans organization. They all do great work. Well, that's what we have for you today on Out and About. This is Melissa Lukes. I thank you for listening. I'm always happy to hear from you via email with your comments, questions, or topics you'd like for me to address here on my new show or talk show here on WNHH. My email address is WNHHMelissa at yahoo.com. WNHHMelissa, all together, no spaces, at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. I hope to talk with you again soon.